says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to a special edition of the Tip Sheet. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. And continuing with that, as always, theme, joining me as every episode is my good mate, 60s. 60s, always a pleasure to have you on board. We're talking about a special edition, talking about some really cool content this week. What do you got for us? Mate, this year when we were presenting the Tip Sheet live from Parramatta Leagues Club, we were fortunate enough to be joined by some of the Eels legends to talk about their careers, their their time after football, and their thoughts about the game as it is now. Well said, mate. And once again, just a, a moment of appreciation for the Parramatta Leagues Club, the home of the Parramatta Eels, and everyone there involved to help get this off the ground. And with that said, we'd like to present to you our special cut, our special edit of our chat with Steve Ella. We hope you enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, we're actually coming on a little bit earlier because we're blessed with not just one former Eels great, but two. We've got Steve Ella joining us now and we've got David Lydiard who'll also be joining us as well. So um, let's have a, a, a round of applause for two great Eels players. And we were just talking before because... Um, both of these players are part of a really elite group of Eels players to have won premierships. As Eels supporters, you all know that we haven't won too many premierships. So to be a player who's won a premiership with the Eels, it's a very, uh, it's a very small group. Uh, Steve, you've got a rough idea of how many that is. Oh, I think it's around 23, 24 players in total. So when you think about today when you've got NRL squads of 17, 18 on match day, so you know that every year that you're going to get about 17, 18 players on grand final day that are going to get grand final rings. And Parramatta's had four premierships that, that were won during the 80s and it's only a total of about 23, 24 players that won a premiership with the Eels, so it's certainly an elite group. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, he's, he's played about 157 first-grade matches with the Eels, origin, test matches. He's one of the most exciting players to have ever graced the rugby league, Phil. Can we have another round of applause for Steve Eller? Now, just before we get on with some of the uh, footy questions, a number of years ago, Steve, I met you at a Ken Thornett medal. And I went up to you like, you know, I figure you should know me. I'm an Eels supporter. We know you. And I said, mate, it's Craig from the Cumberland Throw website. And your reply was, never heard of it. <laughs> I mean, now, I, I've got to qualify that. My, uh, my son's here and he knows I'm not real good at social media, so... Podcast is something I haven't done. Nah, that's all good. But look, mate, we've got signs and everything. We're, we're here. We are. So, uh, in all seriousness, mate, um, when you're one of the legends from the uh, from that Eels era, people do feel like they know you. 
Do you still get that recognition from strangers? I think sometimes I do, but most times, no. I, I, I'm, um, I suppose, just a normal bloke who, who does normal things like everybody else, and um, I, don't, I don't get uh, bothered. If anybody wants to come up and talk to me, that's always, always nice and always fun, but no, now, that these days, I, I'm um, just, yeah, just a general person in the community. So. Zip, Zip, we're here in the wonderful Paraleagues, and there was a bit more socialising at the league club after training, after games back in the day. It was a bit different in regards to the whole, the whole period, wasn't it, for players and the Leeds Club? Well, I think we, um, on Thursday night, we, we'd probably get together, have a couple of beers together, but when Jack started, he sort of tried to stop that. Um, but, yeah, we, it, was, it was about us as mates getting together, and that's one of the good things that we had as a, as a team is that we're all good mates, and um, I was just catching up and um, having a good time together. Uh, Liz, Liz was, he was probably the leader of, uh, of our social activities. So. <laughs> Now, back in 8081, I was working here at the club. Uh, I spoke with Brett Kenny just a couple of weeks back, and he was, he was a fellow employee at the club. But I said to him, I used to be rostered on, I'd see on the same roster Peter Sterling listed. And I think, I'm working here with Peter Sterling this week. It never happened. He was never there. Can you enlighten us about Sterlo? Well, at that time, Sterlo was living with Lids. So, um, Sterlo had a motto. He had, his work was around quality, not quantity. <laughs> of course, uh, back then, Zip Zip, rugby league was more semi-professional than the full-time job it is now. Um, and you were doing an apprenticeship when you started, but you had a serious knee injury in 1979 uh, when your career was just four games old. What did that mean for you and your apprenticeship away from the game? Um, yeah, I... I I had an apprenticeship on the railway. I, I busted my knee in, in, in 79. Um, I snapped both cruciates and my medial. Um, I was in plaster, I was in so hospital for eight weeks. I was in plaster for seven months. Um, I had three months off, off work and went back and just had admin work for, um, for a while, but it probably took me two years to get back, get back on the field. So it was a pretty traumatic time, but it was just one of those things that you, as a league player you go through. Given how serious that sort of injury is today with all the advances in medical science for sporting players, your career in hindsight is that much more incredible. Like what, what you managed to come back and be as a player is a real credit to the work that you put in. Well, I, think, I think the desire to play, not only play football, but play for Parramatta was one of the main reasons that you, um, you work on injuries. I think even the players today, um, if they've got an injury, they'll work hard. Um, and if you, if you don't work hard and you don't um, put the effort in, you're not going to get the reward. So if, and that, for me, it was around, if I, if I want to play again, I've got to work hard, so I just did that. So, back on the footy field, you played every backline position in first grade. Did you actually have a favourite position? Um, probably my favourite was, was in, in between 5'8 and centre, because when, when, when um, Brett played 5'8, I loved being in the centres. Um, when Brett wasn't playing, I loved, I loved playing 5'8, so... Um, um, I still think he's, he's the best player I've ever seen, Brett. But so having him at five eight and centre is always a lot of fun, and probably those two positions. Um, my first, I, I suppose, my first game in, in the Australian team was at halfback. So um, I played halfback uh, a few times in, in Australian jumpers. So that was that was interesting, and and um, the next game in Australian jumper was fullback. So it was yeah, all over. We just spoke about the recovery from that injury you had in '79. But a number of years ago, Sixties and myself had the chance to speak to one of your old stomping ground mates from Mount Pritchard, Eric Grove. 
Um, and he uh, spoke to us about some of the changes you had to make as a result of that injury. Can you elaborate to us what you lost from that injury and then what you gained in, uh, as opposed to it, as you learned to compensate for that injury? Um, yeah, from, I suppose getting injured the way I got injured um, does affect your pace. Um, people thought I was, I was quick, but I was actually quicker before the injury. Um, but I reckon I lost about four or five, five yards off, off pace when I had that knee injury. So um, uh, that, that sort of gave, uh, sort of pulled me back to the pack a little bit. But um, I, I think the, the big thing for me was it, it, I lacked confidence there for a little while. Um, it took me a fair while to build the confidence back up. But I think once, once you start to realise um, you can work through anything and um, whatever, you, whatever adversaries put your way, you, you can work through it. And you get your confidence and anything can happen. So that's, I suppose, that's just how we worked. So on that try scoring front, just a couple of weeks ago, we saw Josh Adokar cross six times in a match. And it was the first time in, uh, since, the ni- since 1950 that six tries had been scored in a first grade match. But on the 1982 Kangaroo Tour, you scored seven tries in a match. Can you talk us through what happened in that match to get seven tries in a game? I suppose to put it in context, the game before Eric scored five. Right. So um, <laughs> Eric was bragging a little bit about how he scored five tries because we always have this competition, me and Eric. So he was just bragging. So um, we, when we played against a, a team in, in the Pyrenees, we... Um, it was, it was wet, it was muddy, and um, yeah, the opportunities just come my way and I end up scoring seven tries. I probably should have scored nine, but I gave two away. <laughs> nine tries would have been some sort of, some sort of record. Continuing with that theme of tries, uh, Zip Zip, uh, and to pinch something that you said about Sterlo, about quality over quantity, you scored crucial tries for Parramatta in the grand final victories, including the try that wrapped up the 1981 grand final. What was that moment like? to score that try and know that you secure Parramatta's first ever premiership and lead to that iconic line that, you know, ding dong, the witch is dead? Uh, I suppose getting the, getting the ball off John Mulgram because I was a, I mean, we had a good back line, but that, that movement of, of the ball across that back line on, in that particular occasion was, was really special. And um, being on the end of the pass from John Mulgram to be able to put the ball over the line wasn't any special for, for us because we were only young blokes, but for, the, for Bob O'Reilly, for Mick Crown and for Ray Price who had been through... Uh, Parramatta Grand Finals where they've been beat uh, Ronnie Hildich, all those older followers we, we knew how much it meant to them um, and we could see how, how putting us in a position to, to win the game um, also gave them, gave them that lift and because they lifted, we lifted as well so I think it was more special for those older followers and, um, because they, they, they'd been through the, the hard times with Parramatta but we were only just young blokes and we hadn't been through those hard times, we we had a lot of success as kids growing up playing footy, so we, we expected success. And under Jack, we, he expected success. Yeah, but it's the older players like Pricey, like the Crow, like Bob O'Reilly, um, and uh, Ronnie Hilditch, Steve Edge. Um, Seeing how special it was for them, that, that, that made it for us. How crucial, just on, on what you said about expecting success, how crucial is it in a successful team to expect success? Well, success doesn't come to you. You've got to work. It. You've got to work at it, and you've got to have good game plans. You've got to have good structures. You've got to have um, the ability to work hard, and um, I suppose come up against adversity. How to react to adversity? So, we had a really good coach who actually taught us how to react to adversity. 
And when we were in uh, difficult situations, um, we had, I had wonderful leadership, not only with the coach, but our, we had good leaders in our team. We had Steve Edge was, was our captain, but he was a leader. Bob O'Reilly was, he was, a, he was a leader for us. Price, he was a leader. Um, Mick Cronin was a leader. So having those leaders actually makes it a lot easier. Now, some people might not be, be aware that you were actually a goal kicker as well. And obviously during the Crows years, that wasn't something that you were called on to do too often. But in your last season in 88, you were a regular goal kicker for the team. How do you rate your kicking? I've never been asked that question before. Um, how do I rate it? Um, I mean, I was just an average kicker trying to do my best. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I, I grew up goal kicking as a kid and, and um, I really enjoyed it. Um, when I come to Parramatta and the crow was kicking, I enjoyed that even more. Um, but um, when I had the responsibility of kicking, that was fine too. So I, di I didn't mind that pressure. That was, that was always fine. Six field goals too over the years. Yeah, I didn't realise I kicked that many. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So was that was that something that you practiced, or was it just you were in the in that right position to have a shot? Um, I think a lot of times it was the situation of the game, um, and a lot of times those those um, field goals probably were when Sterlow was off the field, or when Sterlow wasn't playing, or it was just one of those things where I just wanted to do it because because I could. So just depending on where the game's at and the situation, I never ever gotten in trouble for it so that was one good thing so yeah it was always good fun <laughs> well see now the thing is after today you'll be able to when someone says to you how many field goals did you kick in your career for Parramatta now you'll have the answer that that's true half dozen even half true. dozen I'm going to jam you up here Steve um, if you had to wipe your memory bank of your rugby league career and start over but you're allowed to keep just the one moment or the one memory what would it be uh, one memory, Bertie Manley, 82 grand final. So, I mean, 81 was fantastic. Um, Bertie Manley, though, in 82 was special. That's, that's actually a question that we, we put to people here. How much do people enjoy getting a win over Manley? And I think it... <laughs> okay, anytime, anytime you beat Manley is a good day. <laughs> okay, so now moving on to a hypothetical... You're able to wind back the clock. You're in your prime. You're playing in 2021. What would be different about Steve Eller, the footballer, if you were playing NRL right now? Probably my size. I mean, I played, for example, I played, when I first started in, in 79, I was 72 kilo. When I finished playing in uh, 89, I was 78 kilo. And we, didn't, we never done any weights. So weight training was something we didn't do. Um, that come in back in the 90s. So I think uh, probably size and, um, and strength would probably be a lot, a lot better. Positionally, where do you think you'd fit in the modern game? What, uh, be, be either centre or 5'8 still. That term, uh, the spine, is a more recent phenomenon being used in, in rugby league. Were those positions of uh, the... Dummy half, the half five eight fullback. Were they as critical back when you were playing, or is it is it something that's become more critical this day and age? I think it's more critical now, but I think back in the old days, it was really for us. It was really important to have like a good front rowers because our, our go forward was with our front rowers. But not only our go forward, but the scrums were different. 
So if we didn't get, get possession from scrums, we're always going to be defending. So we, we needed a good, a good foundation in our scrums and our, our front rows were, were fundamental in that. I mean, a good example, in, in 86, we had Jeff Bugden and, and um, Terry Liebberger, and we called them the bookends. But um, they, they laid, 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 the, laid the foundation for us as, um, as uh, I suppose, we were spine players or, or, or fast players to do what we needed to do. But without those, them laying the platform, um, it made it difficult for us, but they were, they were terrific. So I think it's different these days. So because um, the scrum, scrums are different, the type of play is different. And finally, mate, have you got a tip for today? Oh, Parramatta by 50. <laughs> uh, okay, ladies and gentlemen, can you another round of applause, please, for Steve Eller?